before her did for her, and I fully intend on doing the same with our three boys. So this is Chris. Are you on? I'm on. Great. Well, Jessica, thank you. Uh, that was very kind of you. I, got, I have to, to confess that it's not hard to love messy people when you've been a messy people. So um, loving her is easy, and where's her, where's her beloved husband? There he is. Yeah, that's my baby right there. That's my boy. Hey, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 today. And I have to confess, I'm one of those people that I have four pages of notes in large type, so don't be panicking about that. So I have, I have my plan, and I never stick to my plans. So we're going to see what God has to do. Because I told him this morning, Lord, I did my work. I planned, I prepared, I got ready. And so it's really now on you, whatever happens. So Jesus, help us. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the word. Father, thank you so much for this day, for these people. Lord, I just, I just want to pause and acknowledge your presence with us as we spend time in worship and just focus on you and in, invite you. We, we invite you in, but the reality is, Lord, you are already here. And so for us to just pause for a moment and say, Lord, we know you're here and we want you and we want to be in your presence and we want to hear what you have to say. So Lord, would you just feel free to move among us by the power of your spirit and do whatever you would choose today in Jesus' name, amen. I am going to have us go to Ephesians chapter 3. For those of you who um, do Bible aerobics, I have all these crazy ways of memorizing where the books of the Bible are. So right after um, 2 Corinthians, First and 2 Corinthians are long books. They're easy to find as you flip through because there's lots of pages. And right after that, there's General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. General Electric Power Company. So Galatians is the second book in that. I'm sorry, Ephesians is the second book. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. We are going to be primarily in chapter 3 today, but I have to, I have to admit, I love the book of Ephesians because I am just captivated by the culture around the book of Ephesians. So we'll get into that. But first I'm going to read from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 20. We're studying prayer. And this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts richly through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. That's a, that's a pretty hefty lift right there that Paul is giving us. So let me just back up and give you a little bit of background on the book of Ephesians. I listened to Jessica's sermon on the way this, here this morning, by the way. Fabulous. What a, wow. 
I was very captivated by that. So in Ephesians at this moment in time, there is a lot of craziness happening. Ephesians is a port city that's situated in what is now modern day Turkey. And it was a center for culture and wealth and commerce and religion. Um, Ephesus sat right, at, right in a port where, where the cross sections of North Africa, Asia, and whatever that was up to the Northwest was at the time. I, yeah, you can figure that out. It's in my notes somewhere. So it, but it's in a cross section where all these areas of the world are coming with, to do trade and to, um, to visit this large city, which actually I found this fascinating. Ephesus was about the size of the city of Spokane proper. So imagine yourselves in the city of Spokane back in you know, Paul's day when we didn't have roads and we didn't have all these fabulous buildings. And in that area of the world, everything is built out of stone because there's not a lot of wood available. And so it was very different. And yet culturally, it was kind of the same. Their people were, were there for wealth. They had multiple religions during that time. And so this whole Jesus thing that Paul came to tell them about, oh, yeah, sure, bring another religion. It's not a problem. We've got all these other religions. So why not add Jesus to the mix? Ephesus was also the home of the temple of the goddess of Artemis. And I'm going to have to go to my notes for this because this I found really fascinating. Artemis was a Greek goddess. I think I have page one in page four. Artemis was a Greek goddess, and she actually was the goddess of wild animals, the hunt and vegetation, and of chastity and childbirth. I'm not sure how those two come together, but that's the goddess Artemis. So she was a very powerful goddess, and one of many gods and goddesses in that um, culture, and so again, okay, Jesus, Jesus is God, that's great, sure. We've got 572,856, give or take other gods and goddesses, why not add a new one? And it's in this setting that we find Paul. I'm gonna have you go back to 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Acts chapter nine. And I wanna just invite you to actually read through I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19, to actually sometime today or tomorrow read through Acts chapter 19 because what's happening around Paul in Acts sets the stage for Ephesians. And in that, I'm going to read just a couple of verses and then I'll summarize what's happening. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We haven't even heard of this Holy Spirit. And then Paul says, so what baptism did you receive? And they say, well, we received the baptism of John. And Paul says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came to them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. 
Okay, what happens from there is pretty wild because this sets the stage literally for a riot that erupts in Acts. So Paul spent some time preaching in the synagogues and then he spent some time, he spent about two years talking with the people there. And verse 11 says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits. I love this story. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits in the name to, and tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. This is wild. The spirits answered him. Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the men who had the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So I, I'm telling you, you guys, imagine what happened downtown a few years ago in Spokane and multiply that by, I don't know, 50. And that's what was happening in Ephesus when Paul came to town because Paul was so full of the Holy Spirit that those things happened around him. He was, if, if you read about Paul, if you read his writings, he was mono-focused on Jesus. His entire being was consumed with preaching the word. So that sets the stage for what's happening in Ephesians chapter three. And we're gonna go back there um, Andrew, go ahead and put that first slide up. We ha I have Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, it looks like there. I, I'm going to have to just pitch my notes now. Um, so the, the chapter starts with Paul saying, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, the Ephesians. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has been, as it's now been revealed by the spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. How many times do you see the word mystery in there? The Ephesian culture was steeped in mysticism, mysticism, fortune telling, just all kinds of craziness. Paul is speaking to the culture in Ephesians um, in this verse. Stop and think for a second. How much mysticism do we see in the United States? We call it New Age, mostly. Mysticism. Have you ever walked through town or Googled different things happening in Spokane and you see the fortune tellers? There's fortune tellers in Spokane. I mean, there's, we've got Scientology. We've got all kinds of crazy stuff, just like they did in Ephesians. So though these words were written thousands of years ago, Ephesus was very much like Spokane, and it's very relevant to today. 
So that's how Paul sets that up. He says the mystery has been revealed. And take note, he says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. That is the mystery he's referring to in Ephesians. The Gentiles, that's you and me. Unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. So the mystery is that God actually folded us into his family as heirs through Jesus Christ. Okay, flip over to Ephesians chapter 3, um, verses, verse 14, and I'm going to read that prayer again, and we're going to dissect it a little bit. So Paul says, for this reason, because of this mystery that the Gentiles have been folded in to the body of Christ, to God's family, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom this whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Okay? All of that whole thing says Paul is kneeling before the God of the universe who owns it all. And we are his. We are not heirs to the kingdom until we receive Jesus. But God is our creator. And he owns us whether we actually acknowledge that or not. And so Paul is, is praying a prayer of humility here. He's saying, I am kneeling before the God of it all. Um, verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being, inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay? I pray that out of his glorious riches, that phrase glorious riches is referring to all the benefits that we have in Christ. The glorious riches of heaven come to us when we receive Jesus as our savior. It's salvation, it's his presence in our lives, it's his working on our behalf, it's the peace that passes all understanding, it's the God who is the healer, and if he chooses to heal, he heals, and if he chooses not, he still got us. In all of the circumstances of our life, regardless of what happens, those of us who know Christ can rest in the fact that he's got us. And he, when, he says, when he says that um, strengthen you through power through his inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How many of you live in a home? Anybody? I, oh, every hand in the room went up. Imagine that. That's the place where you dwell, right? So when you moved into your home, did you just kind of walk in the door and go, oh, great, this is my home. And... There's the walls, and there's the floor, and there's the ceiling, and there's the windows, and that was it, right? We don't do that because we dwell in our homes. And so we put furniture in it, and we, try, we put decorations on the wall, and we try to make it pleasant and comfortable for us and for others who would come. And it really speaks to the people who come from outside our families of who we are, right? So this verse says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus Christ, as you receive him as your savior, 
wants to dwell in your heart, in your life. He wants to be there with you. There's two sides of that. There's a responsibility we have to decorate the dwelling with faith, right? We need to decorate this dwelling with faith. And Jesus does the rest. He decorates it with his presence. If you don't decorate this dwelling right here with faith, Jesus is very limited to what he can do, right? Because, because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. God is a gentleman. He does not force his will on us. And so if we choose not to decorate our worlds with faith, that's okay. He still dwells with us. But it's through our faith that he works. And so I, here's a challenge that I have for you. That concept of decorating your dwelling with faith, what does that mean? How do I do that? Trust that God is sovereign. Trust. Grab a hold of that with your mind, that he is sovereign. He is God. He actually intervenes and has intervened in the events of human history throughout all of human history. He created human history. We can trust him. Even when things don't go the way we think they should, that's better as we're trusting him in faith because he will bring a far better outcome than we can manufacture. I'm not gonna, I, I would not pretend for a moment that decorating our lives with faith is easy. Um, from time to time, I have shared a little bit of our story um, of our family. We uh, have two sons, and they actually have a sister who is right between the two of them. She was killed very suddenly, very tragically in an accident, totally unexpected. Lovely, vibrant, healthy, beautiful young girl. She was six years old, and instantly she's gone. I'm telling you that will rattle your world a little bit. It will rattle your world. And so how do you decorate your world, your dwelling with faith, when everything falls apart? I don't know what happened inside of me in that instance, but it made absolutely no sense to me to turn anywhere but to God. The, the accident happened on a Sunday, and the following Sunday we were in church because I really felt like heaven has to be a real place now because my baby's there. My little treasure is in heaven, and if heaven's not real, I got nothing right now. So I pressed into that. And it made no sense to me to go anywhere but to Jesus because if, I, if it's not real now, I got nothing. And I, I pray, I pray that none of you will ever experience something like that because you know what, our kids aren't supposed to go before we go. But I wanna challenge you with that. In places where life gets hard and it's dark, and the report of cancer comes, or the report of divorce comes, or the report of death, or whatever comes, you can trust in the sovereignty of God, and I challenge you to decorate your life with faith in those moments, and not go to a place of saying, woe is me, or how can I fix this, or you know, where can I go? Go to God and trust that he is sovereign. And as you decorate your dwelling with faith, 
He will enter with you and he will take it from there. Just move into him. Thank you for bearing, you know, that wasn't in my notes, you guys, so thanks for bearing with me. Okay, we're going to go to the next verse. Verse um, 17 and a half. Because <laughs> there is no 18 there, it's 17 and a half. And Paul says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Stop right there. You being rooted and established in love. If you have received Jesus as your Savior, you are rooted and established in love. You are. It's done. And it continues. It's kind of like salvation. When you ask Jesus into your heart, done. Sin's forgiven. Enter into the family of God. You are now an heir. Done. And there's this process of growing and maturing in the Lord that happens. It's the same thing with that being rooted and established in love. It's done. His love for you never changes, never goes away, never diminishes. It's done. And as you press into him and, and decorate this dwelling with faith, it grows because you learn to be rooted and you grow in your love for him. I just, I love how this whole story of salvation is like, yep, Jesus did it, and keep growing, kiddo, because you're going to learn more and more and more and go deeper and deeper and deeper, and it's going to get better and better and better. I love that about this. So Paul says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Let's stop there for a second. Two times in this section, Paul talks about power. If we think about that in just our human minds, I'm thinking about the city of Ephesus and all that was entitled, or um, yeah, that word, all that was in that. <laughs> you guys who are under 50, I'm telling you, it just keeps getting better and better. Um, just keeps getting better and better. Power. There we go. We're going with power. Power, fame, money, notoriety, um, travel. How, that's how we think about power, right? I got the power to make things happen. I got the money to make things happen. I can go where I want to go. I can tell people to do what I want them to do. That is not what Paul's talking about. Not at all. He's saying... Um, I, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to, here's what the power is for, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's where the power is, to know Jesus more. Lindsay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot for a second. To grasp, can you shake my hand? When you grasp, do you just kinda go <laughs> No, you hold on tight, right? You got a really good handshake there, girl. Can you turn to your neighbor and grasp that hand? Grasp it, right? That's what you got to do. If you, if you want to know fully the love of Christ and be rooted and established in him, you have to reach out and grasp it. Not kind of willy-nilly. Have you ever had the handshake that's like this? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, everybody, the, the wet fish handshake, yeah. It's like, who wants that? No. Next time you're in prayer, 
Enter into prayer and say, Lord, I want to shake your hand today, and I need you to grasp it with me because I'm grasping for you. And, and do it. If there's, if there's one thing that I could portray to you, that I could infuse into you today, it would be grasp it. Don't, don't just kind of wander in to the Lord's present. Go after him. There's promises and promises and promises and promises in this book. And I guarantee you, if you hold God to his promises, he comes through every time. Perhaps not the way you planned, but he will come through every time. So, um, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that passes all understanding surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. I have to confess, I got tripped up on um, wide and long and high and deep. Because that's four-dimensional. We live in a three-dimensional world, right? And so I'm like, okay, I get wide and high and deep, your, you know, classic cube. I get that, but what's this long stuff? What's this long stuff? Good morning, Lord. <laughs> You're welcome to interrupt. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> He's about to tell us about this long stuff. The Bible says that as far as the east is to the west, that's how far... He has removed our transgressions from us. If you think about the equator that goes from east to west, where does it end? It does not end. It goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. It, it is never ending. That is how big is the love of Christ. It's three-dimensional and on to fourth-dimensional. Eternal, never-ending. No, there is no there is no boundaries to God's love for you. It is limitless, 100% limitless. This baby is just affirming what God has, has said. There's the voice of the Lord right there. She's a preacher. She's going to be preaching. Okay? Okay. So I don't know if you can tell that I'm pretty energized about this. I just, I kind of just want to somehow just put my fingers, give you a wet willy in my, your ears and go, Okay, Lord, just put that in there. Put that in there. Help us to grasp how long and how wide and how high the depths of your love are for us. They're limitless, boundless. And so the next time you're wondering if God is there for you, toss that out and remind your brain how long and how wide and how high and how deep his love is for you. It is limitless, no boundaries. He is there with you. Okay, Andrew, I know I've totally messed this up, so we're going to finish this up. We're going to bring it home. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Bible is the only book that has stood the test of time. 
We wonder whether it's real. We wonder whether we can trust his word. It has stood the test of time. And so, in all of this grasping and being rooted and established, it is not for us to have power and glory and riches and fame and notoriety. It is so that we can bring glory to the Lord, the one who is limitless, eternal, owns it all. Now, if you think about that, let's come back to where we started with Paul coming into Ephesus and crazy things happened. Can you imagine what would happen in Spokane? There were only 12 that were cited in that verse in Acts. If, let's see, maybe there's 40 of us here. Can you imagine what would happen in Spokane if 40 of us got as crazy about Jesus as Paul was? Can you imagine? We could turn this place upside down. In order to do that, we, we have to stop. Sorry if this is offensive. We have to stop playing around. We have to grasp how big God is. And we have to grasp that it's only in him that anyone on the face of the earth has hope of eternity. Okay? I am going to pray. You have a green piece of paper on your, on your chair. I'm going to ask you to pick that up because I paraphrased this, um, this, the end of this prayer that Paul prays in that. And I'm going to ask you, actually it's the whole thing, I'm going to ask you to read this with me because I personalized this. I changed it from Paul praying that you um, would be infused with power to what, what the Lord would do for me, right? So I personalized it. I'm going to ask you to read this with me. And it is our closing prayer. And then just, I'm going to let you take it from here. Are we doing communion? We are doing communion. Can you take your communion cups, please? And once we, the last word in this is amen. Once we say that, you are welcome to take communion. And keep in mind that as you take communion, you are engaging in what Jesus asked us to do every time we come together. Remember him. The wafer is symbolic of his body that was broken for us. I, I, every time I think of that, I think about the verse in Colossians that says he holds all things together. His, his body was holding him all together. And it was broken for us so we could have eternal life. And the juice is a symbol of his blood that was shed so that our sins would be forgiven. Jesus gave it all for us. He gave it all. And I'm, I'm going to challenge myself in this. You can, you can join me with this in this. But I'm going to ask myself, when am I going to give my all for Jesus? When am I going to give it all? When am I going to finally realize that he is who he says he is and really sell out to him? So let's read this together. I'm going to count backwards from three, and then we're going to go. Three, two, one. I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen me with power through your Holy Spirit and in my inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, I may have the power together 
with all the, all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now unto you who are able to do immeasurably more than all I ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within me, to you be glory in this church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.